It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. With Jason and friends. It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, August 28th. And you're listening to episode 587. As always, I am your host, Jason. Here today, I am joined by a many-time returning guest. I don't know how many, but it's it's several. Uh, game designer, a friend, and that is Jonathan Chaffer. Hey, Jonathan. Hi. I think you have a way to check that now. I do. I do. I don't have it up in front of me. Uh, plus, it seems really odd to be like, joining me for the fifth time, <laughs> it's Jonathan Chaffer. But I need to know where I am on the leaderboard. <laughs> right? Everybody wants to know where they are on the leaderboard now. It's the best thing. So... Uh, you know, um, I can tell you this is your sixth appearance. Wow. So for the sixth time joining me. Um, so, yeah, since I'm in here, I'm just going to go ahead and update it. Just tell myself that I updated it through 587. Feels like only yesterday. <laughs> uh, so how are things going? They're good. Um, I am uh, getting all the reports from everyone who has been returning from Gen Con and feeling a mixture of jealousy and immense relief that I wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it has been the topic of the last couple episodes. Uh, like I'll, it was, uh, it was an interesting time to say the least. And uh, there was, there was theft, there was COVID. Um, there was a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going into any of the big ones this year, but I did, uh, recently go to uh produce Beale, michigan again which is my uh, the highlight of my design year for sure mm-hmm. every year um it's really great to have that back see a lot of people that i don't get to see otherwise and prepping for uh produce Beale online in a couple weeks so it's always something going on yes i'm so, yeah, yeah, I know quite a few people, for the record, who came back from Gen Con with COVID, and so I was very glad that I didn't get it. I tested for a week straight, even though I probably didn't need to, because I know that I was with at least two to three people who had COVID, uh, so, and I dodged that bullet. Yay, masks. Go masks. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, But uh, Proto Spiel Online, yeah, so I... I'm afraid to, you know what, I'll say it because it, it already happened at this point now that we, we've recorded, right? It just, Porter Spiel Online would have been last weekend. So, uh, so what I'll say is that I, uh, um, I may have went, so I may have went and tested one game that didn't require any digital setup. So we'll find out. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to see. I might have, <laughs> I may have done it. So, well, yeah. I in the in the past am looking forward to seeing you in the future do that. <laughs> or I don't know how the how the tenses work there. So yeah, well we so we sponsored uh, we sponsored it because uh, I love Proto Spiel Online. Even though I can't normally go, I think it's a a fantastic thing. It just doesn't typically work out schedule wise for me. But um, I want to support it uh, and Heather and, and David and everyone who works on it so hard. Uh, and then also I just I think it's a great program for for getting people doing more testing, right? Uh, and more mm-hmm. accessibility to people. But a lot of times it doesn't work out. But this time I, I have a game that is, it's like a mini RPG style game that will only take about 45 minutes to play. And I'm going to see if I can get one test into that, possibly one day, because as a sponsor, I have a badge. So I could I could, <laughs> I could just go if I wanted to. Um, so yeah, so I might do that. Uh, I might have done that. 
Uh, we'll see. If so, I'll talk about it on the next episode, I'm sure. That's great. Are you, uh, do you have a bunch of stuff you're going to test there, or at least a couple things? I always have more options than time. Um, yeah, so but the main thing uh, I try to get done, I've kind of got a, a schedule for myself that uh, I, um, I I target the uh, three times a year. Protospiel Online is a good rhythm for me for the holiday hijinks uh, escape room games. So I'm planning on having one of those as my main thing to test and a couple other things that are in my back pocket as time permits. Nice, nice. That's very cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I, we, um, so we had, I'll, we can, since, since we co-design stuff, uh, I'll give a little update on this. We had, a a, uh, potentially successful Gen Con, uh, even though you weren't there, <laughs> uh, as we've talked about, I, I pitched the game to a couple publishers, um, and they're, they're, I almost said they're good publishers. I don't mean it. They're, they're, they're larger publishers than, you know, than I would typically pitch to, but we were specifically hoping for, for Super Robo Country to find that type of home. And, um, and we got a couple of good leads, uh, from people who were interested. Um, so I'm pretty stoked about that. Uh, the one lead, it's funny because the one, I feel like the one company has a better reach, but the other company has some real good options possibly for us. Uh, and neither one may want the game. I don't know. We'll find out. But <laughs> right now we are we are excited about the fact that uh, they have some interest in the game. Uh, to only show it to two publishers and have both of them be interested was certainly exciting to me. Um, yeah, and I know to you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm also hard at work at a couple other things that are farther down the pipeline than is typical. I normally get things to a place where I feel really happy about them and then decide they're ready to pitch and then don't do that because it's scary and move on to the next thing. So I've got a couple things that are actually past that process working on um game that I talked about. I think the last time I was on Booba Kiki, which is a, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, a party game, basically a uh, cooperative communication game. So working hard on getting that um, uh, prototype ready for the, the publisher to show off to contacts at Essen. That's my big deadline. So nice, nice. If that doesn't pan out, let me know. I it occurs to me that I know at least one publisher that would 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 possibly have interest in that. So yeah, I'm I'm, yeah. I'm fairly certain it's going to happen. It's just a matter of oh, on even what, better <laughs> on what scale it will happen. <laughs> ah, right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. So. um but yeah, that is, I did, you, I, I noticed uh, people were talking about pitching and you said my, uh, something like my uh, pitching plan is to co-design things with Jason so that he'll pitch them for us. It's exactly true. <laughs> I am happy to make the trade to be able to, to design games with you to have to be the one to pitch. Because <laughs> um, I, I feel like in general, most of the co-design relationships I've had, like I tend to be the one that goes out and does the pitching just by default because i i don't i don't it's not my favorite thing but i don't mind doing it and I, I feel like i'm pretty decent at it and um and i have a lot of good connections so so yeah i'm always happy to be the one doing that in in when i'm working with someone who just happens to have more experience on that with me then i'm like okay then i'm just gonna go because then i want to learn and <laughs> see what they're doing so that i can be better at it too and yeah uh, i've had a few of those which has been nice i actually like the pitching process by and large i I loathe the networking and setting up pitches part of things. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I don't want to say I like networking. Sometimes I enjoy networking, but I would say overall, it's not my favorite thing. Um, but, but I really like meeting people and making connections. I just don't like when it's framed as networking. Does, does that make sure. sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's very clinical. Yeah. Yes. I think that's what it is. It feels very transactional and I don't like that. Um, but uh, what I, and I, and I absolutely hate um, like emailing people. Like I, that's why I pitch to a lot of the same publishers because once I know the publisher, it's easy to pitch to them because I know them. So for me to message them and say, Hey, like, would you, would you look at this? And they'll say yes. And some of those are, are super big publishers that have never published anything of mine, but they know me well enough and they like me that they're always willing to look at my stuff, even though they haven't bought anything yet. And that's okay. Right. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm good with that because it's like one of these days, right? <laughs> it's like you roll the dice enough, right? Statistics have to happen. But I, I enjoy like you, I enjoy the actual pitch, like sitting down with somebody and talking it through. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had a, one of the pitch meetings that involved our game that was really cool was I sat down with the publisher and they said, hey, so a lot of stuff has changed with how we've been doing things. So you have a big stack of games there and I want to hear about all of them. But would you like me to take the time to quick tell you about what we're doing right now uh, to see if that affects what you want to show me? And I was like, yes, absolutely. I pulled out the notebook and I was like, let me take notes. Um, because not only did that tell me what, what I had that they wanted possibly. It also told me what I didn't have that they wanted. And mm -hmm. to say like, do I have anything that I was thinking about with that? Um, and it what was fantastic was as they went down the list of things they were looking for out of the six games I had there, I was able to, as they said, I was like, Oh, I'll show you this one for five of the six. Like to say like, these are in the wheelhouse. So like, I was like, I have picked a good publisher fit. Um, and to me, that feels really good because automatically I'm not wasting their time. Right. It's not like mm -hmm. I've brought, like I've went, Hey kids table. I've bought this, like brought this Epic world war two, like, um, like, you know, civilization style murder game. Like I brought it to you because kids table, you know, seems like a real good company for that. Right. And they're like, no, that's not us. Like, what are you talking about? Um, you know, so when you've brought them a game and you're like, they're like, hey, I'm interested in this. You know, this is the type of game I'm looking for. It just feels like I have been respectful of their time, even if they don't want my game. Um, and I think that's good for the relationship. So, yeah, I, I that that's something that I've when I it's been a, some years since I did a speed dating uh, pitch event. Um, but even for those where they're adamant, you know, you have one game that you are entering in this thing, I would always have at least sell sell sheets for yeah yeah, yeah several yeah. other things and be really ready to pivot um like right right something i saw recently that somebody had was a sell sheet of sell sheets ah so they literally had a sell sheet with a bunch of small pictures on them so that they could just be like hey uh here's the sell sheet of sell sheets here's what i'm doing which one should i pull out and i thought that was really clever um they actually said that it had some flaws in the system because the things weren't quite big enough. Um, and so they were going to revise their system a little bit, I think, to put like maybe three, like maybe four on a page instead of like eight so that you could actually see what it was. And then you get eight games on a double sided page. Um, and I know Julio brings a little port binder portfolio and just mm. hands it to them and says, 
look through and tell me what you want to see and I'll pull it out. And, uh, and I think that's really clever too. So, yeah, absolutely. So, but I digress. We have a topic to talk about here. Um, and since you're organized and you like made notes and everything, I want to make sure we get to all this because I'll know <laughs> if we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I was, uh, thinking about, a problem I was trying to solve in a design and um, thought realized it was a bigger topic that uh, could take some discussion and I hadn't heard you talk about it recently. So um, I want to talk about simultaneous play. Um, yeah. And kind of all of the ways that man, all the different ways that manifests in games and some of the uh, pros and cons and, and how do you, um, how to view things through that lens and mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. attack the things that come up. So, um, yeah. So basically, we when we're designing games, we are trying to eliminate downtime for players, right? Right, right. So that's a lie. Um, sometimes. <laughs> um, Sometimes we want to eliminate downtime for players. Um, so I want to frame this whole thing in, we're going to be looking at these from the lens of trying to eliminate downtime, but just kind of the over, overall caveat on all of these things is that um, downtime is not necessarily something to be avoided in games. Um, right, right. And I think that is it's kind of like the any of the other always rules you hear as a designer you need mm -hmm. to know when the always isn't true um because right. like you know losing a turn it's not always bad i mean exactly yeah i'm kidding <laughs> i know that's bad <laughs> well but even that i'm sure there are exceptions um there's always exceptions but this is one where there are a lot of exceptions <laughs> because um i, I kind of had my eyes open to this somewhat recently that I was of the mindset like all of my game I think every one of my the designs I've ever done has some sort of simultaneous play in it and it's a thing that I love but I um, am becoming aware that it is a stylistic choice as much as anything um, you have games that I would classify as lean in games or lean back games yeah, yeah. So you were talking to I forget who your guest was when you were talking about cozy games. Oh, um, that was um that was Roberta. Um, oh, Roberta who okay. did uh um yeah the um uh, the comfort creature comforts table. yeah yeah yep yep um and I was thinking about like cozy games are are tend to be lean back games. They're games where part of the coziness comes from the fact that you don't have to be constantly in the game right you, right or you don't have to be like burning brain burning the whole time right you can just kind yeah, of enjoy yeah. the the process and enjoy the people i mean a lot of people play yeah, games that's a good point. yeah not because of what the game does but because of the excuse to be around people and if if you're engaged with the game a hundred percent of the time that can mean you're not engaged with the people mm -hmm. that's a good point yeah um and uh, it could be, you know, so so that's just, just that's just to say that when we're talking about all of these 
possible ways of introducing simultaneous play. Um, should always view those through a lens of uh, whether that is right for the kind of game you're trying to make. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, with that said, let's assume that we want to eliminate all downtime um, <laughs> and go through. Uh, so I tried to brainstorm what the big categories were of the different types of simultaneous play you could find in games. And this is just me thinking for an hour about this. So I'm sure there are plenty that I'm missing and these bleed into one another. This is by no means an academic study or anything, but um, I thought by going through this, we'd have some examples to draw on as we talk about the, the, the really meat meat of the topic. So Mm-hmm. Um, the first one I came up with was games that you were playing against a timer. Um, that might be the first thing that comes to mind when you hear simultaneous, when general public does. Um, a lot of, uh, I guess I'll say skill-based mass market games are in this bucket, like, um, like say Boggle. Right, right, right do the most this stuff is, you can before the time runs out. And this for me, this one and the next one you're going to say are the things that I hate the most. Um, yes. Cause this, I mean, this is just, this is real time games, simultaneous real time exactly. games, real time right? games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, actually this came up on discord recently, this terminology of um, I think there are a lot of words that we use that mean almost the same thing, but have different connotations and yeah, real time to me means it connotes a a race like frenzy yes yeah yeah yes yep um and not all of these are going to be that um uh another game that i was just kind of looking across my shelf for games that have this um mesozoic was one that came to mind that it was um, like a slide 15 puzzle that you're doing against the clock it's oh okay stressful (laughs) one that one that i like that's against the clock which is only because it is so hard to know anything about what's going on um is um uh hand-to-hand wombat okay Uh, because it is against timer you're trying to build these pyramids but you're blindfolded so like it doesn't even matter if you're doing a good job because no one knows right there's not that anxiety of like does it look like i'm bad at this game I don't know because I'm blindfolded. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I tried to kind of arrange these categories roughly in order from most stressful or simultaneous to least. (laughs) And yeah, so this is going to be the one that raises people's blood pressure when you see that time ticking down. Um, yeah yeah so then softening that a little bit are the games that i am calling first to finish so games where there isn't a clock but there are other people see i think these are worse for my personal anxiety interesting because it's a race right against the clock means we're all trying to do the best we can um but like you know what I mean? We're all independently against the timer, but when it's first to finish, it's, I mean, that to me, most real time games that I hate is because they're first to finish personally. I find those to be the most stress inducing. 
for me. This, this is one that has a, a really big um, lever for the designer to turn on in, in terms of how that feels. So if if you interpret that, I'm, I'm, I'm using this more broadly, but there are games where the first person to do a thing wins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. But there's many softer versions of that, like um, games like, oh, I'm just looking at my shelf again, um, Lovelace and Babbage or Steampark or, uh, gosh, I'm sure there are lots of others, where you're doing a thing and you decide you're done and you take, um, I finished first, I finished second, I finished oh, third. Oh, okay. That doesn't bother me then. That is, so that, it's when it's a race of first it, to finish, right? Yeah, like, so they're both races, but it's a matter right. of how big is the prize for the race. Right. Like, I'm thinking of a game like, um, like... Tessin, for instance, which is actually a game I enjoy. It's a real-time game. Or, frankly, Stroop is another good example. Another game I enjoy, but makes me want to cry most of the times because my brain just doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? So, like, it's really, really difficult for me to play that without being very anxious because not only am I, like, not understanding uh, quick enough, but also I'm looking like I'm not understanding quick enough. So everyone's like, wow, he's bad at the game, right? Um, so yeah, yeah, I think that to me is just the, I think that's why those are so anxiety inducing because it's like all eyes on me. as Because you, if you're the last person at those games, everyone's watching you because you're like, I can't finish. I'm trying real hard, but I don't know how to do it, you know? Yep. I don't know why I did like a Uper Michigan voice for that. I mean, I guess it's... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, and like I said, it's a it's a knob you can turn in terms of how how important is it to be first, it, it, assuming that it's a game where everyone does is allowed to finish. Right. Right. The idea that like you could everybody can do the thing, but I can be the one to say, no, I'm done. I'm going to take this. I like that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. there are games that, that do that pull that lever without it even being like simultaneous play. I think of, um, uh, llama, one of my favorite games, the llama card game, like where like you can just bow out of the round at any time. Right. And that can be powerful to do that. Right. Even though like, I mean, then it's really still, yeah, that's different, but that's what it reminded me of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think that's fair. It's not quite what I'm, what this is. No, I know, I know, but it's it's what popped into my head. Cousin, yeah. Right, Um, right. Or, and there are games where um, you don't actually get a reward outright for being first, but it's kind of almost a tiebreaker. Um, Mm -hmm. Like um, uh, Ricochet Robots um, is one that's very interesting this way, that where it's because it's basically it's just a puzzle sitting there in front of everyone and yeah, are you familiar with it uh so i've never played ricochet robots it so, sounds fun just because it's called ricochet robots but. <laughs> so there are robots in a grid and the rule is you can move a robot any direction but it keeps on going until it hits something and then it stops and that's a move and so you'll turn up a card that's saying I, we need to get the yellow robot to this yellow portal in the corner corner how many moves will it take you to do that? And then just everyone thinks. Right. Okay. And 
when you think you can know how, know how it's done, you say, I can do that in eight moves. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is still playing, but now they would have to be able to do it in less. Right, 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 right. Fewer. So that's yeah. almost like a, a reverse bidding game. Like it's yeah, like exactly. I can do it in two notes. Yes, is the name of that that tune idea where, um, but but with anyone can jump in with a bid, so that's what makes it kind of the the race aspect. So, yeah, there are lots lots of different variants on that. I think that have different levels of stress. Um, okay, so then the next bucket. Um, I labeled uh, independent decisions. And by this, I mean most roll and writes. Okay, so where everyone oh, has a thing yeah. they're doing, they're all right. doing it at the same time. Yeah, yeah. A patchwork doodle is the first thing that comes to mind of like, here's the shape, do your thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, quick, super mega lucky box. Um, yeah. those, those are my jam. Like those type of games where it's like, Here's the scenario. Everybody take your actions. I love that. That's to me what that to me is what simultaneous play is meant for personally. Yeah. Yeah. So um, those are the ones that get maligned um, by people using um, multiplayer solitaire as a slur. Right. So the ones where <laughs> it's it's simultaneous because you don't care what other people are doing or at right, least not right. much. And that always annoys me when it's like, well, it's multiplayer solitaire. And I'm like, yeah, but that's fun. Like, yeah, I don't consider that like, to be a bad thing. <laughs> I mean, with Super Robo Country, somebody, one of the people said, what's the player interaction here? Is it just the drafting? And I was like, yeah. And they said, that's probably enough. I was like, oh, thank God, because that's not changing. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. So like, as long as you're designing with your eyes open that that's your goal, that's great. Right, right. Because um, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think player interaction is is a tool that, that we need in a lot of games, but you don't need it in every game, right? Even just that little bit of player interaction of like, we're drafting cards and I'm picking stuff that is reducing your choices. To me, that's like the perfect amount of player interaction. <laughs> Let me play my game. Yeah, yeah. And so then, so those are ones where everyone is is doing their thing all the time. Um, mm -hmm. but there's no time element. So then we get to the ones where, um, we, people are doing things simultaneously, but with a high degree of player interaction, which are the simultaneous reveal games. So mm -hmm. these are any games where everyone does a thing and then we have a big voila moment where we're going to see what everyone picked or what everyone did and, and right. in the great ones then there's a there's a big ah oh, moment so you got your um programming games like robo rally or um picking a role games like race for the galaxy mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. like oh or, you know i can't believe that you picked explore i needed to do this other thing you know that kind of stuff Right. This is the first one on the list, correct me if I'm wrong, that makes me feel like it might save some player downtime. Because the first three, I don't think save player downtime. Well, I think they do in the sense that you're always playing. I mean, well, 
I mean, so here would be my here would be my argument against that. Against the timer, okay. I think has a decent chance for it, right? But if I fit, you know, if it's a two minute timer, the max downtime I can have is is two minutes if I'm like instantly do the thing, right? Or choose not to do anything. First to finish, I, if we're still playing after, if it's a race and then you win and it's over, yes. If not, then there's still the regular downtime, right? And then independent decision, the reason that one I feel like can create a lot of downtime is just because while you're doing the thing at the same time, if you're playing with someone who is really slow at it, or you're the person who's slow because everybody else is really fast at it, right? That still feels like downtime, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying these eliminate all downtime, but I guess I guess what I'm saying is con- contrast. Let's go through that that third example of doing the the roll and write thing. I guess the mm-hmm. contrast would be against would be Yahtzee. Okay, right. Where I take my turn, then you take your turn. Then my yeah, t- yeah. my turn. You know, so right. The 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 difference is. It, you're you're doing as much as possible at the same time sure if someone's right, slower right. you have to wait for the slowest person but you don't have to wait for all of their turn and then yeah, take yeah. yours no you're you're right i was thinking about it differently i was thinking of eliminating downtime um and it does not do that obviously but right. yeah no you're yeah. you're right it still obviously is better than do a thing wait 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 okay do a thing wait yeah you're right you're right yeah yeah, yeah. i better, don't know what i was thinking better with the big asterisk that we said right at the, the front like right, right, <laughs> sometimes right, right. you want that well i was thinking of the fact that simultaneous play always like in my mind like you when you said it i was like well yeah that's to reduce downtime um but then i was looking at the lens of well wait a minute you're right it doesn't always super reduce it right mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah that was so, all yep so and I, I think in the simultaneous reveal ones a lot of these use that as a little bit of a game that otherwise mm-hmm. might have a lot of downtime, in fact. Right, right. Um, it depends on how much of the game that is. Because um, you might have a lot of resolution after you do that reveal. Mm-hmm. Like, this mm-hmm. is what I plan to do. Now I've got to take 20 steps to execute that. <laughs> right, right. Well, and they're even... Yeah, I mean, there are some role selection games where it feels like my one of the things that popped in my head was like Citadels, but that's not really because it's like you all pick your role, but then the reveal is staggered based on, you know, the order of the roles, that sort of thing. It's not like, okay, this is what we all chose. Now everyone do their thing. You yeah. Know, or I, everyone take actions in this order, depending on what we chose. Yeah, I think it still counts. Um, but yeah, you're right. That would be a on the spectrum on the slower end of that spectrum because we can't reveal it and then do it. Right. We right. have to reveal it one at a time, but we still have the, there's still a simultaneous phase there where everyone's mm-hmm. thinking about what to do at the same time. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I think we're seeing a lot of those. That's a pretty popular method recently. Um, mm-hmm. So then the next bucket I had, now I was thinking a little harder about how to define this. And this is this is one that probably isn't thought of as simultaneous, but is. Um, and I labeled this group decision. I mean, games where you are talking about what to do with other people and deciding together. And this would cover mm-hmm. a lot of 
cooperative and team games. So right, right. Any anything like uh, a Mysterium or something like that, where you have to even even if one person's making a choice, if everyone's talking about it, that that's a high, highly um, highly engaging low down time feeling. Um, mm-hmm. Or even like code names, where you've got discussion among your team. It's right, right. Not simultaneous for everyone because the spy master is right. just sitting there. Right, right. Um, well, and the other team is is just. I mean, I guess the other team is watching, right. waiting to pounce if you get it wrong. But you know, I mean, <laughs> yes, you're right. Yeah. There are some people just sitting there doing their parts. Yeah, so we're we're sliding on this spectrum from the from the against the timer end down to, down toward a little bit of simultaneous on this other end, um, with the the big uh, the f- the far other end that still I think counts a little bit is one that I'm calling interleaving, and this is a lot of games that maybe in the rulebook don't even say that there's anything simultaneous happening, but mm-hmm. when you look at a group playing, there is so. Even a game as simple as Ticket to Ride, let's take as an example. Mm-hmm, All right. Mm-hmm. Is there any simultaneous play in Ticket to Ride? On the face of it, no. But in every group that I have seen, it kind of just happens naturally in certain events. When you take more tickets and you're going to mm-hmm. stare at those and figure out which ones you take, Every group I've ever played with, like by yeah. the rules, you wait for that person to finish. Every right, group right. I've ever played with, they just go on doing their thing because that person right, has a hard right. decision they have to think about. Right, right. And the only advantage, only, the if you're willing to keep going, you're the, you know what I mean? Like the only person who stands to get an advantage from that is the player trying to decide if they were like going to wait and watch what people were doing. So if you're yes. okay to move forward, then then no one cares, right? Right. And it's also a game where the game state doesn't change a huge amount between your turns. Right, right. Um, Because in theory, almost every turn-based strategy game, you can be thinking about your next move the whole time. But if the board state changes wildly between them, there's no point. Right, right, right. And yeah, yeah that's, that's that's a really good point. That's something I see, I think, a place that a lot of the prototypes I see could attack player downtime is there, is how do, how do you keep things stable enough that I can have a plan that goes be, well, more than one turn? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is... I, those types of games, I, on those types of games, I, t- I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I do tend to tune out when I've played those where like suddenly, you know, um, everything is going to change before it gets back to you. It's like, why am I watching? You know what I mean? Like, I'm just waiting to figure out what mayhem happened so that I can make a decision on what to do. It's like you're almost afraid to make a choice. I remember the game uh, Gubs that I played a very long time ago was very much like that. Like, I didn't want to make a plan because chances are I wouldn't have the same cards or this, everything would be different by the time it got back to me. And that was just a simple card game, but because people could steal your cards or make you trade hands or do all these different things. It was like, I never know what's good. What's going to even be in my hand. So why get attached to it? Like it's only going to annoy me if I make a plan 
because it's not going to happen, right? <laughs> yeah. So um, that is that is my list of types that I came up with. I'm sure I'm missing some big categories, and obviously, it's not always a clean decision of where something fits there. Um, be very interesting to see. I don't know if you if you can think of any, or if anyone uh, on Discord wants to wants to say, "Hey, where does this game fit in?" Maybe this should be another group. That would be interesting. Right, right. And you were you were putting things like escape rooms and stuff under a group decision, I assume. Yeah, I think that would that, that's another good example. Yeah, all those fit under under there where <laughs> the fact is... that I thought of that and not you cracks me up. Yeah, I mean, I can I can go through my the list of every game that I've made and figure out which of these buckets it fits in because I think all of them fit into something. Because um, <laughs> I I just I love this so much in a game. Right. Yeah. I mean, even um, I mean, uh, Super Robo Country falls into kind of the independent decision, right? You draft yeah. and then you do your stuff while you're drafting, and then once the level's done, everyone's filling out their uh, their world board. Um, marking stuff yep. and making decisions and then we're all ready to play again so yeah, yeah. and i think every uh circle draft style game fits under there right right sushi go or something like that yeah yep yep yeah so um i guess the the other part of this is why do these things we've we've, cut, we've touched on this to some degree um and then why not or how to fix the problems um so the why parts are are easy we've talked about when we, we say we don't want downtime and what we're saying is we want i guess more engagement more right right you don't want you don't want people to check out um mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the other thing is just overall game length is going to be a little shorter Right, right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, I think, yeah, I definitely think those are some advantages of it. Um, they're, uh, yeah, well, I, I don't want to, if you have more advantages, you also have disadvantages on this list. And I, I thought of some disadvantages. So yeah, I, I want to speak to the, the advantage. I, mean, I think we've talked about the advantages as we've gone through about why we do right, these. Right. So let's talk yeah. about the disadvantages. We already talked about, about the stress angle. Right. I, I think one thing when I was thinking about independent decisions um, and or yeah, we'll start with independent decisions. A disadvantage of that is for new players. Um, there's yes. no like, let me watch what you because, you know, if I'm a new player in a game, I generally just say, hey, I'll go last and then I can mm -hmm. kind of watch what everyone's doing and then I can take my turn. But when it's a group decision game, I mean, uh, I mean, an independent decision game, you really have to be like, OK, this is what you're trying to do. Like, so. You know, like Sushi Go, a super simple one, right, can be tough if you're the only one who doesn't know how to play and you don't realize what the best cards to take are, right? Because then, you yep. know, effectively you lose seeing some strategy um, that other players have, you know, um, yeah, without I watching think, the uh, turns. Yeah, ease of teach is is a big is a big issue. You're right. Um, and I think drafting games like Sushi Go are particularly hard because... I mean, that's kind of a straddles the line with the simultaneous reveal, um, which is the mm -hmm. hardest one because you really do have to do that together as right, opposed right. to the independent ones where you can just say this first time around, we'll do it one at a time. And then. Right. Right. So everybody can kind of see what they're doing. Yeah. That's a good I, point. I've in fact, um, in 
in one of my games in development now um, wrote the rule book as a turn sequence you do these and then just wrote experienced players will be able to do this all at the same time ah nice nice yeah yeah so instead of saying this is simultaneous but for training wheels because you're dumb dumb (laughs) you can do (laughs) you instead say this is in turn order but once because you're really smart you'll be able to do this all at the same time. Right, right. right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but but I think it's harder with some some of these types. It's, it's obviously you can't do that with something that is against a timer. You can't. Right, um, right. Or, or that is, you're racing. But. The thing with like against a timer, though, a lot of times I feel like you can say, let's do a practice round, right? Sure. Or sure. watch us play that for time a round. Short. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like if you're doing against a 30 minute timer, then you're playing a group decision game. Like that's the difference. Speaking of group decision games, I think that's a disadvantage of that. And I'm sure you've got opinions on this is that it's very easy for someone to be left out um, in an escape room style game where like an escape room is a little different because you just basically tell everybody just look at stuff and, and mess with stuff. Right. And maybe you'll stumble upon something helpful. Right. Mm-hmm. But like if they're doing a co-op game, where you have to decide things together, um, which I know that's what an escape room is, but like, like really you're sitting there with the board and you have to make decisions together. Um, it's really easy to just kind of have some people shift to the background because they're not yes. comfortable stepping out and saying something. Yeah. That, I mean, that, this, that's a whole, probably a whole uh, topic for an entire discussion is, you know, right, dealing with, right. dealing with alpha gamers in co-op games. Right. Right. Um, right. And I don't think the fact that it's simultaneous isn't by itself the issue because you can com- combat that part with um, hidden information or right. yep. Yep. or giving people different jobs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is. It, I think, yeah, having people just feel like they have to just kind of sit and watch is it's a big bummer. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, I mean, some people are okay with that. They're like, you know, I like my wife, like when we play Marvel United, she wants me to alpha game her. Like she's like, she's like, tell me what to do. Like her joy is out of the family playing the game, not out of making the decisions. So she'll be like, what should I do? Like, and she wants one of us to say, do this. Cause I've been like afterwards, I'm like, listen, I don't want to tell you how to play. She's like, Oh no, please tell me how to play. Like, that's more fun for me than trying to figure it out. Like, she's like, I just would rather know what the team needs and tell me how to do it. And I'll do it. I was like, okay. Like, you know, if that's really where you find joy in the game, then sure. You know? Uh, But if it's not, cause like my daughter doesn't know what she's doing a lot of times in the game, but like does not want anyone's input on that and just wants to do it her own way, which is fine too. You know? Um, So, so yeah, like there's nothing wrong with that. Like everybody's going to play it differently. So yeah, and um, and then going back to some of the stuff we said right up top, the you know the benefits of downtime. I mean, that's that's kind of fits in here too. So it we you know there are games that can be very stressful because everything's happening at once, or mm-hmm. you don't have time to just kind of process what happened and um 
some games that have a real uh, simultaneous, especially a real time component. Um, we'll go back to the example. The first example I gave Boggle. Um, all of the gameplay there is simultaneous, mm -hmm. but the game is structured in a way that it's bursts of activity. Right, right. So you have your three minutes or whatever it is in that game to write down a bunch of stuff, and then you have a non-real-time phase of let's say all these things out loud and and talk about what happened. And right, right. You get that ooh, that was a good move thing that you that you don't have in a highly simultaneous game otherwise. Right, right. And that is, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that's, even on the independent decision side of things, that is, I think, one negative of, like, if you're playing with a group, like, I, again, Patchwork Doodle is a good example. Like, when I play that with my wife, we pay attention to what the other person has. We'll even give each other suggestions. I'm like, I'm not sure what to do with this, you know? And she'll be like, oh, did you use this power yet? I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. I'll try that. Because we're just really trying to, we're, like, we want to win, but we also want to make, like, the best Patchwork Doodle we can. You know what I mean? Like you, if the other person can win by filling in every square, like, which I did one time, like you want that to happen. Right. Cause that's, that's one of those awesome moments. Right. Yep. Um, so, so, but if there's four of us playing, I can't look at your board because I'm too busy looking at my board. Right. Um, not as in a way, like I'm going to sabotage you by looking at your board. Right. But like, I'm going, you know, I'm interacting with you. You know, there's, there can be a lot less interaction. That I think is where you get more of the outside of the game chat, right? Yeah, where you're just like, oh. appreciating what other people did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you might get those moments where it's like, oh, this stupid piece, like that's not what I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, or you know, ha but half the talk is like, hey, I'm going to use this power and take this piece instead. You know, just because we feel like we have to say that out loud. I don't. I mean, I don't uh -huh. know if you're supposed to or not. We just do. Like <laughs> so. Yeah, a lot of those games where you're fl flipping up a card and everyone has to deal with it, um, like you get to the point where um, a game like uh, number nine, um, where you're just like, oh, really need a seven you know, for the per you, and you're saying this to the person who's flipping the card. Please flip over a seven as if right, they can right. <laughs> do that <Yeah>. for you. <laughs> you got a lot in super like super mega lucky box as well. So yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think that some of that just happens naturally with the players, but anything you can do as the designer to encourage uh, a a break where people right, can right. compare stuff, um, they can make that break as short as they want to to keep the game moving if they're that type of group. But if in a game like, um, oh, God, I'm trying to think of the ones that I, uh, games like Escape or Sp was it space alert is the is that the i'm, I'm gonna get that mixed up with the space it's space, not space, space alert cadet. it's something else um, oh space cadet, space cadet is what i was thinking um, of when you said that yeah space alert i think is the vladishvattle one where it has the soundtrack um, oh gosh and escape has a soundtrack too where yep, the yep. timer's going the whole time and yeah yeah that doesn't give you the chance to just say okay let's take a break <laughs> reset yeah, yeah. my head <laughs> i played i i rob and i and his wife christine we demoed that game at gen con and we finished the demo and literally the same time i was like i hate that and they're like i love that and i was like awesome <laughs> i 
I will never play this with you ever because this is absolutely awful. Um, yeah. And it was just because it was so stressful to me. I was like, mm, I don't, I, I don't need this in my life. No. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Even, um, even games like uh, Magic Maze, where you're against a timer mm-hmm. as a group and it's very stressful, has punctuation points in it. Whenever you get to the flip a timer thing, where you're allowed to talk, like the timer's mm-hmm. still running, but it feels like a break. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, let's see, what else did I have under my list of possible disadvantages to talk about? Um, oh, resolution order is a big one. Okay, so games where you're doing stuff simultaneously and have to resolve effects. So maybe it's one of these simultaneous reveal games or okay, yeah. you're doing stuff independently and then we, re- we reveal it. One challenge is um, if you have to resolve things in a... Sh- if there is interaction and you have to resolve things in a shared space, it can matter. Like You have to have a turn sequence even though the game is otherwise turnless, which can feel really weird. Right, right, right. Yep. Yep. So I've seen different ways of tackling that because um, I've done different ways of tackling that. I've had to <laughs> think about this a lot. Um, so sometimes that combines with the, the first to finish idea where mm-hmm. really the order that you finish doesn't matter much except it defines the order that you resolve and maybe there are some Maybe there are some prizes that the first person to do X gets this thing. So you might want to be first mm-hmm. in turn order so that you might get that. Um, that's one I was thing. Play I, testing, I was playtesting a game recently that's not simultaneous, but it fell into the issue where that same type of issue where for there are two distinct parts of every round. And for one part of the round, turn order absolutely matters. And for the other part of the round, it pretty much doesn't matter. But the one that doesn't matter is first. And then it's like pause. And now we have to draft. But turn order super matters at that point. But then won't matter again until that part. And so like trying to find ways to like make it quote matter in the first section. So that once you know you get to that second section. Now it's arbitrarily it matters even though it really doesn't. But pretending like this is how it works. So it's kind of like you know saying you have to have a turn order even though you really only need it for that one thing. Right. But it's just a, a workaround to make people think that it matters. Otherwise it just feels kind of like incongruent, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, back to that example I gave of the, of phrasing the rules as when you're more experienced, you can do this at the same time in that mm-hmm. game. Um, the turn order can matter, but it usually doesn't. So, right. There is one action you can take where you're taking from a shared market, but but most actions don't. Most actions are independent. Right. So it just says, so there is there is a turn order, and that's taught in the rules as the as the turn sequence. And the rules just say, in the case it matters, resolve things in turn order. Right, right, right. There was Which, a game I recently, a prototype I recently played of someone's where turn order you could vie for it. Like it did matter. And in very Mm -hmm. specific instances, it could, but I was like second place out of five people. And I was last every single time. 
because it just didn't, I didn't think it mattered. And so I just played in a way where it didn't matter. Right. And I didn't yeah. win, but I came real close to winning. Um, so I think that's, those, those are interesting, you know, ways to deal with that. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's nice if you can, I don't think it's always going to be achievable, but it feels like it's nice to have turn order really matter or not matter at all. It's the exactly cases yes. that are weird. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Totally um, agree with that. And in um, a lot of the simultaneous reveal games, turn order, uh, like either they tr- either the thing you're revealing is part of the turn order. That's a common mm-hmm. thing. Like I'm thinking. Um, libertalia where you're putting the pirates on the ship in the order of the number and that gives you your turn order or something or it or there's no turns at all like race for the galaxy um everyone does the things at the same time um one of the Mm -hmm. most interesting ones that i was i was just kind of looking at my shelf again trying to figure out how how was this done um and i wish more games could figure out a way to do this is the game nefarious um when yeah uh, i'm familiar yeah when you're building inventions in that game they can affect other players and that's a simultaneous thing everyone's doing it um so you could get hit by three different effects and the order that you resolve those could be important so the i see okay the obvious thing to do is to have a player turn order where we say okay we're going to do all your effects and then we'll do all of your effects and but but there's a clever but hard to explain um, <laughs> solution to that in that <laughs> game where you, there is no player turn order. You resolve the effects that affect you from other players in turn order relative to you. So you okay. do all the things that your invention does to you. Then you look around the circle and do all the things that the player to your left did to you and then the player to their left while they're doing the same thing starting from themselves. So it's kind of like everyone has a everyone is doing a different turn order <laughs> and it's <laughs> hard to communicate, but it really solves the problem well because you don't need a first player. Everyone is their own first player, which is super weird. That is, but that, that is a unique way to solve it. And it sounds like once you would understand that it would click very, very well. Exactly. Yeah. I almost want, I just want more games to do it so I don't have to explain it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Cause I think it's really clever. It sounds like it. So, um, yeah, that was my list that I had come up with off the top of my head. Anything else that comes to mind in terms of. No, not that, I haven't, not that I haven't thrown out there yet. I mean, in general, I would say that I like m- several of the things. That, I mean, I like more than half of the things on this list, right? I like independent decision. I like simultaneous reveal. I like group decision, though it has its pitfalls, I think, more than the others. Um, it's just against the timer and first to finish that sometimes are tough for me. I think, though, you know, it really just depends on my feelings on that to me say that it really, really depends on how it's framed in the game and how it works. Right. And that it, Mm -hmm. you know, to feel so passionately about hating something, but then so passionately about liking it with the exact same mechanic, just because small caveats are introduced um, is really, really cool. So, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, I guess maybe maybe the other way to frame the disadvantages um, discussion is, you know, why aren't more of the games we play simultaneous? Because they aren't for good reason. Well, I mean, there... several of the disadvantages we listed are one of the, are the reasons why, right? I mean, yeah, I guess. Uh, I think a lot, in many cases, it's just, you know, this is like, why is, why doesn't chess have any simultaneous stuff to it? I mean, that, I mean, that's like, do something simple like that. It can't, right? So why can't it? Um, I guess this falls down, falls into um, resolution order, because like, we didn't really cover that. Like when you can't, you just can't frame the game in a way that it would have stuff that happens simultaneously. Well, it's a hard question to even ask, let alone answer. Um, <laughs> I mean, like it, I, it's because it's so obvious, but it why? is, it's super <laughs> obvious, but that does make it really hard to, um, um, it's really hard to explain that. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like chess. It well, well, chess, I mean, it's, you know, like it's obviously like there are these reasons why, but I can't. Um... <laughs> and I guess, I mean, this falls into that last category I gave where I, I suppose uh, it does have the form where you're thinking about your next move and you have right, to adapt right. to what they do, but unless it is X to mess up what you're planning on doing, you can still, but, but, but there are, I mean, chess is an interesting example because there are nearly real time versions of chess, right? Yeah, that's like, true. So there's speed chess, which is damn near simultaneous play. I mean, that's the point. Um, and chess is already hard and speed chess to me just sounds like just, just set me on fire. Like, yeah, I'd like, 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 rather do that than it. play on the face of it, it's not simultaneous at all. Like it's still tr strictly turn-based, but you have to be engaged during your right. opponent's turn because there's no time. It's, but it's real time, right? I mean, it's, it's a real time it's, game at that point. It is against the clock, right? Against You're playing clock. against the yeah, clock. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's real time and it's not real time. You know, it's still, it's not turnless. It's heavily turn-based, right. but you need to do your turn quickly. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's that it's interesting. It's not simultaneous at all, but it has the feel of it. Yeah. Yeah, that's Yeah. It is it is interesting not being able to put something into words that seems so incredibly obvious, you know. <laughs> that's that's a yeah. weird feeling to be like I'm not sure why. <laughs> yeah, so um I'd be super interested to hear other people's thoughts on um what what the pros and cons are of doing these things simultaneously in, in designs and in what ways Same. we can uh, have more of it while not uh, stressing everyone out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. This was a fun discussion. So you're going to, you're going to pitch a game now, right? I'm assuming sure. it's going to be a game that is, has something to do with simultaneous reveal. It does. Yes. All right. So, um, I am a big believer in pun first design. Um, so <laughs> this is a game that existed as a title in my notebook for about 
five years before it ever be had a, a single mechanism attached to it. Um, so this game is called Space Bar, and it is about running a cantina for aliens and serving them drinks. But of course, it is a spelling game. <laughs> So the concept of this game is that um, you are a bartender and you are or a mixologist, let's say, and sounds fancy. You got, way. You got a bunch of uh, customers coming in from all sorts of different planets, and they have had hard days, and they don't really care much what they have to drink, as long. But they're all very, very homesick, so. They just want something that sounds like something that was made on their home planet. So it is a spelling game where you're going to be the the cards are mixers. Um, so like the O card is maybe an olive and or orange juice. Um, and okay. uh, every every letter card every card is a letter and it is a mixer. And you're going to mix a drink by naming the drink. So you put your letter cards together to form a word. And any customer who that word sounds like something in their language wants it. And so you'll get points for that. And so and how do you customer, know? Okay. Well, yeah. So every, every customer has a rule that would say something like... Um, all the words in my language have all of their letters in alphabetical order. Okay. Okay. All but it has to be in... real words or no? Well, in some alien language, sure. So oh, any so... sequence of letters is a word. Okay. Okay. For so, someone. but it doesn't. Okay. I get you. So it doesn't have to be English words. Right. Literally, it can be. Okay. That's nice. But there is, nice. but there is always a customer from Earth who wants something that is an English word. And you get okay. more points the more customers you can simultaneously serve. Okay, okay. So you're you've got hopefully conflicting but not contradictory things out there. Like this person wants a word that has three consonants in a row. This person wants a word that's in alphabetical order. This person wants an English word. Can I do something that is all of those things? Okay. Okay. So and if, if you not, could make how a many word, can I do? So if you made one word that achieved all those, it would serve all those people. It would serve all those people. Nice. Okay. Okay. And then um, there is a uh, set collection. So there'll be there's a deck for each of these broad categories, um, and they each have a symbol, and you're trying to get variety. So right. to get the best score in the game, you can't always be ignoring the English word because that's because that's going to be and important. You can set. you can use any word. Like there's not like a like. So like if I, for instance, if it was like um, the alien wants everything in alphabetical order, English word, um, and starts always starts with a vowel ends with a continent con continent. Just a whole land mass. <laughs> well, that'd be ends with a consonant. Uh, I could use the word art, and it would qualify yes. for all three. Because Absolutely. Check all those boxes. Okay. Okay. Yep. That's but really then, cool. I like but that. But then someone out there is going to say, I want the longest word of all of the drinks right, that anyone right, made. Right. Or I want the one with the fewest consonants Art. in it. It's the pirate yes. version. Yes. So um, 
yeah, so the the key was for this one, getting this to work uh, was the simultaneous play. So it turns out that puzzle is not much of a puzzle if you have as much time as you want to figure it out. Right, right. So the design challenge and what got me thinking about this is I want just enough time pressure to make it a puzzle while having it be still fairly calm. So the first thing that went is no timer. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So this is, this is one that I'm attempting to do one of these first to finish things, but in the most relaxed way possible. So what I ended up with is that there are what I call chasers that are cards, one card per player out there that have the second word in a drink. So it would be like sling or cobbler or sunrise or whatever the second word is in some cocktail you'd get. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now I have a Gazerbert sunrise that I made or whatever. Cause you, cause the last thing right, you do right, right. when you're done is you grab one of these and that's the second word. I but, see. So you want to be, so being first lets you grab the first choice of that. Yes. And you care. And so I'm trying to make you care about which one you get, but only a little bit. So what those primarily do is tell you how many cards you get to draw into your hand for the next round. Okay. Okay. So um, you can, and and there are some other variables on there. Like uh, you also get a wild card or you also get a, 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 a point or something. Right. Right. So just slight and actually, I'm, there are enough variables there that my goal is that they're all about as good as one another, but mm-hmm. different. Yeah. So situationally, you might care. Right. But also you might be like, I'm just going to take, but being slow at it is not going to ruin your day. Not going to ruin gonna, your day, yeah. but you'd prefer to be fast. Right. Right. I like that. I got to try that one. So will yeah, you have that so, one at Grand Con? Yep. Yep. I'm going to be running yeah, sessions cool. at Grand Con. I got to try that one for sure. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yep. So, um, yeah, that's the pitch. That's great. That sounds like a lot of fun and a good name. Space bar. I like it. Awesome, man. (laughs) Yes. This is the, um, second game where the, uh, core, uh, theme, the second game I've, I've done where the core theme is alcohol and by a person who doesn't like the taste of alcohol. So I don't know anything about the stuff that, that, is the core well i mean content of the game <laughs> how many people actually know about a gazerbert sunrise taste that's like, exactly you know? i mean i yeah. assume sunrise means it has oj in it and gazerbert is some sort of you know liquor but um, <laughs> yeah yeah I, one one uh advantage is when i decided that every um letter had to go with a mixer i realized there were some problematic letters um what what is uh what is x and then i realized well this is on a space station somewhere. So it's just xenobiotics. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Probiotics. No, no. I like my, my xenobiotics. That's right. It's fantastic. Um, awesome, man. Uh, yeah. Awesome. I want to try that. And, uh, 
and thanks for being here. This was a this was a fun convo as always. So yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, listeners, I hope you enjoyed our conversation here. Uh, love to hear your thoughts on simultaneous play and uh, in the Discord channel. Uh, give us some thoughts on that. And uh, if you're coming to Grand Con, you could attempt to try uh, Jonathan's game uh, as well. So that would be great, too. Uh, but hey, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? At well, this you time? know, the social media landscape is a hellscape now. So <laughs> burden hellscape. I'm not even going to bother with that. Um, but I've got a newsletter I send out uh, once a month and um, it's got free puzzles in it if you like puzzles. So, yeah, um, go to thechaffers.com slash news and you can sign up for that. I will say that as a plug for this is I've signed up for many newsletters in my day and regretted it. Uh, and your newsletter is one that I actually do usually about half the puzzles on, sometimes more, uh, sometimes less, depending on the month. But I have enjoyed the introduction to new types of puzzles and the fact that you always have like an easier version of it on there that I can do. Um, yeah. Cause I like puzzles, uh, but I don't like when they're super difficult. So like, I like that it's kind of scale difficulty and I can just give it a try. It's a lot of fun. So super uh, recommend y'all do that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And then um, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, best thing to do is go to buildinggamepodcast.com, find a link to our Discord there, join our Discord. You can also email us if you need to at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can keep coming back every single week. But until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.